confession to make. I'm not a native Wisconsinite. How many of you are born and raised in Wisconsin? Wow, quite a many of you. I have come to Wisconsin by way of Michigan, Missouri, Ohio, Maryland, and Minnesota. But in the last 27 years, I have come to love Wisconsin and to embrace your values, your way of life, and your belief in the Holy Trinity, brats, beer, and cheese. <laughs> All good stuff. And then there's your unwavering devotion to the Green Bay Packers and to the UW Badgers. Indeed, your love of football is legendary. But I didn't fully realize how pervasive it was until my wife and I made a trip to the Milwaukee Zoo way back in 1991 when we first came to this area. That's when I met Leo, Jerry, Rudy, and Charlie. Let me tell you about them. So it must have been this time of year, I think a little bit later in the season, because it was cold. And we got up in the morning, we put our jackets on, we headed to the zoo, and it got colder and colder as we worked our way down toward Milwaukee. And by the time we got to the zoo, I think it was even snowing a little bit. It was that cold. In fact, we were just about the only people in the entire parking lot. So we had our doubts, but we went in. And as soon as we got in, we noticed something very unusual. No animals. This is a zoo. Where are all the animals? My wife turned to me and said, you know, maybe we should go back home. And I distinctly remember saying, no, I think there's a sermon illustration here. <laughs> so we kept going. And, and we went to this side of the zoo. No animals. This side of the zoo. No animals. Over there. No animals. This was baffling. But we were going to get to the bottom of it. So we kept going until we got to the center of the zoo. And there in this large green space were all the animals gathered together. This was incredible. We had never seen anything like this before. What is going on? So we got as close as we could up to the guardrail and we couldn't believe our ears. The animals were dividing sides to play football. <laughs> Even in Wisconsin, the animals play football. It was the lions versus the bears. <laughs> I don't know how they determine this because they don't flip coins, but the lions kicked off to the bears. Now, the bears had this beast called Rudy. Rudy was a rhinoceros. And of all the times that they got together to play football, he's never been tackled. So the Lions kick off to the Bears. Rudy gets it, and of course he races down the field, and Lions players are bouncing off him left and right. Touchdown, 6 nothing Bears. And if you know anything about animals playing football, you know they don't monkey around with extra points. So it's 6 to nothing, and now the Bears kick off to the Lions. Of course, the Lions don't have anything like Rudy, 
So they have to finesse their way down the field. You know, a screen pass here, Statue of Liberty here, right, and out there, fullback plunge. But finally they get into the end zone, they tie the game, it's six to six. So now the Lions have to kick off to the Bears again. In steps Leo, Leo the Lion. He's the captain of the team. And he comes up to Jerry, Jerry the Giraffe. He's the kicker. And he says to Jerry, Jerry, how many times have we been doing this? Every time you kick the ball to Rudy, he scores a touchdown. Don't kick the ball to Rudy. Jerry nods his head. All right, we're good to go. Wait a minute, you should know something about giraffes. Strong legs, not much up here. So Jerry kicks off, and where do you think it goes? Rudy, right to Rudy. And he huffs, and he puffs, and he heads down the field. And of course he's going to score, right? Wait, he's tackled. What? This has never happened before. Rudy is on the ground. All of the other Lions players want to take credit for that monumentous achievement, and so they jump on the pile on top of Rudy. And Leo wants to get to the bottom of this. Who tackled Rudy? So one by one, he's pulling off the Lions players, and there at the bottom of the pile, he can't believe his eyes. It's the ferocious, the intimidating Charlie, the centipede. And Leo roars at Charlie, where were you at the opening kickoff? Charlie is embarrassed, and he's intimidated by his captain, and he says, I'm sorry, I was on the bench tying my shoes. (laughs) That's God's message for us today. He doesn't want us on the bench tying our shoes. He wants us out on the field, living our faith, following our Savior. Jesus says to us today, hear my voice and follow me. Well, we have heard his voice and we do believe. That's why we're here this morning. Raise your hand if you believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Raise your hand. Look at that. It's awesome. But you know what? I think we can do better than that. Stand up. Stand up if you believe that the creator of the universe became like you and went to the cross to pay for your sins. Look around you. Everyone is standing. Stand up for Jesus and you did it. That's awesome. That's great. In today's day and age, that is a brave testament. Thank you. God bless you. You may sit down. That's the easy part. Now comes the hard part. Not only does Jesus call us to hear his voice and believe, he also beckons to follow. You see, faith is just not what we believe. It's also what we do. Faith is both a noun and a verb. Okay, well, technically it's not a verb, but you get my point. 
That's what the book of James is all about. You can't have one without the other. Faith and works go hand in hand. If one is missing, something is seriously wrong. Without works, faith is dead. And without faith, works have no spiritual or eternal value. We believe and we follow. Let me illustrate this with another animal story. This one is true, I promise. What? The first one wasn't true? I made that up? All right. How many of you know what this is? Yes. It's a bean bag. What do you use it for? Do you know? Right, right. So this is what you would use if you play the cornhole game, right? How many of you have ever played the cornhole game? Good. (laughs) Because at 8 (laughs) o'clock, I had to explain it. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. My wife and I just bought our very first cornhole game this year. Special order. It's awesome. One board is painted in University of Wisconsin colors, right? You're not going to like this. The other one, though, is painted in University of Michigan colors. So it's, you know, we got the rivalry going, okay? And we played a few times. It's been a lot of fun. And then one day we woke up and uh, looking over our patio, we see this. Has this ever happened to you? Yes, it has. Thank you. Once. Okay, because you know now you're not going to let it happen again. I don't know if you all can see this. Probably can't, but there's a big hole in this bag. And the bag is empty. What goes in this bag? Corn. Who knew? I mean, I guess if you have a fairly decent IQ, you would know that, but my wife and I didn't know. We knew there was something in there, but we never thought that it was corn, I mean, that you could actually eat, right? So we had put all of our bags, right, there's eight of them, into another bag for safekeeping on the patio. And then that fateful morning, we get up, And we see all of these strewn around our patio, and they're all empty. And they have these holes in them. But we saw one of the culprits running away. Our resident squirrels and chipmunks had a nice evening meal. They were in a bag. I mean, these bags were in a bag. And they still got to them. Now, here's my point, Mark. Is, is this going to work anymore? No. I mean, I'd like to play against you if you had this one, right? No. You can't play the game if the bag isn't full. It's just not going to work. It's physics, right? You need both the bag and the corn. That's faith and works. Faith saves us. But with our faith... 
comes the works. Inside that faith. Motivated by that faith. Because here's the thing. God uses our works like when we help others. Feed my starving children, right? Coming up in a couple weeks. God uses our works to display our faith so that others might see the love of Jesus in us and come to know him as Lord and Savior as well. We believe and we follow. So what does it mean to follow Jesus? Well, Jesus himself gives us the answer in his own words. We read in in Luke chapter 9, Jesus says, If anyone would come after me, so if we would follow him, we must deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow him. Deny ourselves take up our cross and follow him. To follow Jesus is to set aside our self-centeredness and to make our priorities subvertent to his. Our goals, they bow to his goals. John the Baptist, I just love what he said about this. He, that is Jesus, must increase and we must decrease. That's what it means to follow Jesus. Jesus must increase in our lives even as we decrease. It's a lifelong journey following Jesus. It's a calling. And it's not just about the Ten Commandments. And it certainly is not about perfection. Who among us here will ever be perfect? No way. But that's okay because that was the point of the cross, right? That's why God became like us and paid for our imperfection on Calvary. So to follow Jesus implies a relationship. Every day, God puts opportunities for ministry before us, ways to live our faith. And so, each day, we will want to wake up and say with the prophet Isaiah, Here am I, Lord. Send me. Send me. Let me do your bidding today, as imperfect as I am, as broken as I am. Let your purposes be my purposes. That's our mission, right? That's our purpose in this world. And I know that, that like Elijah in the Old Testament lesson for today, sometimes we feel like we're the only ones doing this. Like we're all alone in this endeavor. And it can be discouraging. And I don't know if you felt this or experienced this, but I have several times where I think, God, this is too hard. No one wants to believe this. No one wants to listen to this. No one wants to see your love. Am I the only one that thinks and feels this way? And I promise you, this is absolutely true. Every time I prayed that prayer, God sent someone 
to show me that I was not alone. Like I would see an athlete on TV with a, with a personal witness. Or I would see someone out in the community and, and she had a cross on. Or someone would do something and God would say to me, Randy, you are not alone. So take heart in that. And you know you are not alone. Look at everyone who stood up for Jesus just a few minutes ago. It's awesome. And yes, it's also true that today there are more and more voices that try to shout above God's voice. Listen to me, right? Don't follow that Christ stuff. And as we heard in the Old Testament lesson, those voices are like the wind or an earthquake or a fire. But through it all, through it all, there is that gentle whisper. God's voice. God's voice that will never, ever fade away. Consistent, true, loving, caring, and calling each and every one of us to follow him. Listen for that voice and follow it with all your heart. So get off the bench. Get onto the field. Believe and follow. In the name of Jesus, by the power of Jesus, for the glory of Jesus, amen.